finish what we started last week. Um, we're going to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. And uh, we'll launch from there. We're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Let's pray for just a second. Father, um, let us get to where we need to be today. I know that you told me that I was not to rush through things with this series. Um, So let us just arrive where we need to. We rest in you, and uh, we trust that, Lord God, you are going to fulfill your work in here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Archie, can you give me a little less monitor? I don't want to hear myself. I don't like hearing myself. I know that musicians love to hear themselves. I do not. Um... Anyway, so last time we were here, we talked about our access to the kingdom being through Christ and that, that, the, that God really intended. He, he's preaching, you have to understand, he's preaching before the cross. This is important, I need you to catch this. He's preaching before the cross ever happens, the gospel of the kingdom. Most of us, if we were raised in conservative churches... We're taught what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, which that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. But that was only activated after Jesus' crucifixion, right? The death, burial, and resurrection only happened after Jesus is crucified. And yet, Jesus is saying that there is a gospel of the kingdom that he's preaching before he's ever crucified. Now, this has led a lot of people to a lot of questions over the years. They've not understood what this meant. But what's interesting about this is that the gospel of the kingdom is then what is the evidenced, um, it's the evidenced expression of what Jesus does in his ministry. Jesus preaches the gospel of the kingdom, and then he goes... Let's heal the sick, let's raise the dead, let's cleanse the lepers. In fact, when he commissions his disciples, and he sends out first um, his disciples, then he sends out the 70, in both times he says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, freely you have received, freely give, right? So that is how the gospel of the kingdom began to be preached. The gospel of the kingdom, we need to break down what it is. Gospel means simply good news. Gospel just means good news. So the good news of the kingdom, we need to put those two things together. There's the good news and then there's kingdom. And the kingdom is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so when we put together the good news of the kingdom of heaven, what it is is what Jesus said later. He said that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. And that it was available to us. He talks about with John the Baptist. He says that that from the time of John the Baptist until now, the violent take the kingdom by force. What that means is that there is this this effort that's required to take the kingdom. You can be saved. Hear me. Scripture says that that we are saved by grace through faith. That is is not something that, that is difficult to come to. If anybody here is a believer in Jesus, you're saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody experience that? Anybody know that you came out of darkness and went into his marvelous light? Did God rescue anybody in this house? Right? Nobody knows like I know what God has done for me. And yet, so many times we can be saved by the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and never fully enter into the gospel of the kingdom. Because you enter into the gospel that saves you 
by faith through grace, there's no, it costs you nothing. It doesn't take anything more than to put your faith in Jesus. But then Jesus says this, that those that, that press into the kingdom of heaven are those that are violent and take it by force. There is a certain measure of, it, it, takes, it takes some guts. It takes some, some, um, some fortitude to step out and trust God for the kingdom manifest. Am I making any sense? It's easy to preach, and I don't want to diminish anything. Um, I will tell you as an evangelist, it's easy to go into a church and preach salvation and see a lot of people get saved. It's, uh, it, it takes, you need to be willing to risk your reputation to go out and preach healing when you're going to be an evangelist, or, or even more so as a pastor, because you're stuck with me, and I'm stuck with you. <laughs> it's an equal sticking here. Um, and if I preach, if I preach healing and nobody gets healed, then you're, you look at me a little differently. Thankfully, we've had a lot of people get healed. Last week, uh, Jana Kaufman, our missionary to Nicaragua, God wrecked her in the best way possible. Her, her, uh, her shoulder had been bothering her. God healed that. Then it, something moved into her jaw. We prayed for that. God healed that. Then he started dealing with some other things, and she's laying on the floor speaking in tongues, and God's moving. Um, there's probably other people. She's the main one I prayed for last week, but I'm sure that other people prayed for other people and people got healed. That's what God does. But see, I want you to hear me on this. That is the kingdom manifest in our midst. That is God showing up in kingdom. Am I making sense? See, because Jesus, last week I talked about how Jesus is the victor. He is the, the ultimate conqueror. He is the winner. Uh, if anybody here is wearing, anybody got any Nikes on? Any of my young people? Got some Nikes? We got one, only one Nike in the entire house? Come on. Okay, we got two, three, four, five. All right, all right. All right, see, it's getting better. I knew we had some more Nikes in here than that. Um, Nike, Nike, the, the Greek in that is, is um, literally, Nike was the god of victory. The reason that your shoes are named Nike and the reason that Nike's built this whole thing about just do it and be, you know, they're focused on being champions. Look at who they sponsor, LeBron and Kobe and all these guys who are like the best. They're the guys that, that Nike goes after because they want everyone to know that, that they are about champions they are about Nike. They're about victory. Victory. Yet we, we read in Scripture, if you read the Greek, it says that Jesus is the ultimate Nike. He's the ultimate victor. And because of his victory, and because the covenants now are all answered in him, we can access his victory and bring kingdom come. We literally, God wants us to bring kingdom wherever we are. And he does this through the empowerment of the Spirit. Check this out. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. This is the NIV. Then they, meaning the disciples, gathered around him, meaning Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now look at what they're asking. They know that he's the Messiah. He's, he's been crucified. He's been buried. He's been raised from the dead. He's been hanging out with them. If you read the first few, uh, few, first few verses in the book of Acts, it says that he spent 40 days with them talking about the kingdom. Then they get to this point. After he's talked to them about the kingdom for many, many weeks now. 40 days is a long time. It's over a month, right? 
And so he's been talking about kingdom for this amount of time, and he's about to ascend, and he says that they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to establish the kingdom of Israel? Look at what Jesus says. It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to catch this because this is, this is, this is how people work. We have our preset mindsets. We have our mind about what God is going to do. How many of you have read the Bible like at different times in your life and all of a sudden you read it and it just like came out of the book? Right? You may have read that same verse a hundred million times. Maybe not that many, but close. And all of a sudden for the first time, it was like reading it for the first time. Because so many times when we approached God and we approach his scriptures, we approach them with what we think that they say. The, the Israelite apostles were no different than us. Here, let me just make you feel better about yourself. As messed up as you are, the apostles were just as bad. Peter, Peter was incredibly flexible. He was always putting his foot in his mouth. Um, you know, Thomas doubted. Uh, you know, everybody, but, but John left him that night. I mean, they all failed. You are no worse than them. And in this way, it's the same thing. We come with our predispositions of what we think God's going to do. So God's been talking about, Jesus has been talking about for 40 days, the kingdom and what it's going to look like. And they go, are you still, are you going to set up the kingdom of Israel now? It's like, no, dummy. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to empower you to be witnesses to what the kingdom is. That not just simply the gospel of salvation to come, but that the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom would come. That this would not be an earthly kingdom of an earthly nation, but that God's kingdom would show up on earth. Jesus was interested in empowering his people. And in that empowered people to bring his kingdom to the world one person at a time. This is the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is God's spirit loosed and active among us. Not just in and through Jesus Christ, but in and through God's people. The church. It's about us becoming empowered by his spirit. And letting that spirit of God begin to move in our midst. And begin to transform the areas that we live in. Whether that be while we're here for two hours on a Sunday morning, but more importantly, when you go to work on Monday, when you go to school on Monday, when you go to meet with your family who's lost, it's in those places that God wants the kingdom to be manifest through us. And that is why he empowered the church. And he empowered the church through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 say this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they, seemed, or they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That is how God did it. He poured out his Spirit. And, and the reaction of humanity. When we yield ourselves. Scripture says, how many of y'all know 
Um, James says that your tongue is an unruly member. To, that's the old King James Version. That's how I memorized most of this stuff. Sometimes it's just fun to quote King James. Like in, in Acts chapter 2 there, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. It just sounds cooler than that. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, James says that your tongue is the, one, the, the hardest thing to control. How many of you have ever been in a fight with someone you loved a lot and, and they, you know, you, uh, you guys were having a good old-fashioned, you know, like all that and the kitchen sink throwing, throwing everything out, right? Anyone ever been there other than me? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Um, I see a hand even in the back. Praise God. Um, <laughs> don't do that, by the way. Uh, but... Your tongue will get you in trouble. There's, how many times have you said something to someone you love that you didn't really mean, but you were just being mean? Or you, you, you didn't really mean, but you wanted to win the fight in that moment? Right? Your tongue went out and said it. And then as soon as you said it, it was like you could have slapped yourself. Because you know, you, you see the look on her face, and you know you've crossed the line, you've done damage. Because your tongue is an unruly member, it's hard to control. James goes so far as to say this, that, that horses are, are controlled by bridles that they put in the mouth. And that if you can learn to control your tongue, that you have what he calls true religion. He didn't mean the genes. Nobody here evidently is young enough to understand what I just said. Um, (laughs) You'll have true religion if you can control what comes out of your mouth. So I want to say all this to say this. God takes the very thing that you can't control when he baptizes you in the spirit and speaks out of you through it. It's a language you don't know. There's so many things. There's, there's been times that, that God has spoken through people in and, and, and languages that they didn't know. There's, I've known, I have a good friend in Houston, Texas, and uh, he was preaching in Brazil, in deep in the Amazon, where they didn't speak any English. And he preached this message about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and God came and baptized some of those, those Indians with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this place was so far back, they needed a translator from Portuguese into the Indian language. My brother down in Houston speaks fluent Portuguese. He was raised in Brazil, but he didn't speak this Indian language. So he brings a translator. He's preaching in Portuguese. The guy's translating from Portuguese into the Indian language. And when this dude preaches the Holy Ghost... The whole place starts lighting up, people speaking in tongues everywhere. And all of a sudden he hears out of the crowd somebody in perfect English going, I praise you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me life. And he came up to him afterward and he said, Hey, brother, where did you learn to speak English? And the guy looked at him all confused. And so he brought the, he motioned for the translator. And the translator comes over. This guy, you know, is sitting there speaking in English when he's, when he's praying. And he says to the translator, my brother, the preacher, says to the translator, ask him where he learned how to speak English. He's, he's what happened? Why isn't he speaking to me? He said, I don't know how to speak English. He didn't even know how to speak Portuguese, the national language of Brazil. See, God had given him other tongues. The thing that he couldn't even control, God used and spoke out of him. This this empowerment of the Spirit manifested by the the speaking tongues. I want you to hear me really just for a moment. The goal in all of this is not to get you all to speak in tongues. The goal for all of this is to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Jesus said that, that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses 
to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the parts of the earth. The, the point was that, that when we are, are empowered by the Spirit, that we become more effective witnesses for God. That is the point. The point is to get to where God empowers you fully. Where his kingdom is loosed in you. And you can begin to move in a dimension that is past your ability. That is what this is about. It opens the door for God to begin to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. And it begins to open the kingdom of God up to those around you. The gifts of the Spirit, for those of you who don't know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, God talks about the God talks about through Paul the nine gifts of the Spirit. There are nine gifts. Three of them are speaking gifts. Three of them are knowing gifts. And three of them are what are called power gifts or acting gifts. In every one of those gifts, you become someone who is able to move in a dimension that God moves in. For just a moment. So a knowing gift... Uh, you have word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. So it's word of knowledge. Hear me. Please listen to me carefully. I'm teaching you about the gifts of spirit and didn't really expect you, for, but I will just for a moment. You don't have the gift of knowledge. If you had the gift of knowledge, you'd know everything because God knows everything. You have a gift of the word of knowledge. And that'll be that God comes and speaks a word to you. And you grasp that word and you can go tell your brother or your sister, hey, God says boom, boom, boom. That's word of knowledge. So that's knowing gifts. Then there's speaking gifts. That would be like prophecy, where God gives a word of prophecy. Or um, like some of us in this room, I know that my wife is used this way. Ed Troy is used this way. Dr. John is used this way, where there's tongues and interpretation of tongues. That is a speaking gift, where God speaks a message to the church. And, and God then gives it to the whole church through the interpretation of those tongues. Then the, the final area is power gifts. And, and those are the ones everyone always sees. And that would be miracles, the gift of miracles, the gifts of healing, and the gift of faith. And that's where you change, uh, you step into God's power and loose people from oppression. Those things become available through the Spirit of God, through the empowerment of the Spirit. Those things were not available, hear me, those things were not available on a regular basis until after Jesus empowered the church. He does send out the 12, and then he sends out the 70, and they go and they do the things, but they were empowered for that moment. But God doesn't just want 70 empowered. He wants the church empowered. He wants the body to operate in his spirit, because he knows that at your workplace, there's people who need a touch from God. And that if you walk in there in the power of the spirit, you can change somebody's trajectory for the rest of their lives. This isn't something God wants for the body. We know that because here, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20, speaking of Jesus' last words to the Apostles, as he's getting ready to go, he says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany those who believe. Who? Everybody, anybody in here a believer? Have we got any believers in the house? Everybody say, I'm a believer. Then say, then he's talking about me. These signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Then it says this cool line. It says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken into heaven and set the right hand of God. Then, everybody say then. Then, I love then. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. 
This thing that was given to the church is given to us. It's given to us. It's ours. You just said you were a believer. Well, then guess what? This is your stuff. It'd be like, you know, anyone ever buy a sports car? When I was a senior in high school, I, I bought, I take that back. I was a junior in high school. I bought a 67 Ford Mustang. And I wanted to know everything about it. It's got a 289. It's got a four-barrel carb. I got only a three-speed, but I could upgrade it to a four-speed if I had the money, but I didn't because I was poor. But that's beside the point. I could go zero to 60 in about seven seconds. Um, I, I, I knew so much about the performance of my vehicle because, because this is the thing. When I got that car, I wanted, to knew, I wanted to know what I could do in it. I didn't just want to just, just, you know, I didn't want to just drive it around like, you know, for all of the, the more mature saints in this room. I, I don't mean this disparaging at all. But I didn't want to drive it like a little old lady driving it out on a Sunday drive. I wanted to drive my car, which meant often being on the very edge of what would be considered almost legal. Because there was something in me that wanted to know what I could do. What you have is the Holy Spirit. You have the, the power of God. If you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you got the power of God living in you. Don't you want to take it for a ride? Don't you want to just take it out? I promise you, it's got more than three speeds. And it'll go from zero to 60 in a whole lot faster than seven seconds. And like you can get rubber in all 12,000 gears. Because God's spirit has no limits. And he's given you keys. He, he, he gives this to believers. This is the vision of God for his empowered church. And because of that, now I want you to listen to me. Because of that, that is the story of the book of Acts. You know what's awesome about Acts? I know that we talk about Acts and, and everyone focuses on that it's, it's the ministries, it's the Acts of the Apostles. That's the full title. And so we look at mainly the, the ministries of Peter and of Paul. But I want you to understand something. There's a whole lot more going on than Peter and Paul. There's all these folks in here that are, are being moved by God and, and being used to bring transformation, to bring the kingdom of heaven in force to those areas. I could read you a big list about all the things that are mentioned in here. There's, there's tons of miracles in the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit is mentioned in every chapter. The ministry of the Holy Spirit and miracles is mentioned in every chapter of the book of Acts. Unless it is recounting the exact historical event. Like Paul's trials. If it's just talking about the church being, there's miracles everywhere. But what's awesome is that, folks, it's not just the apostles. It's all the people of the early church. There's the apostles, yes, there's the 12, right? Paul's added late. But then Philip the evangelist comes in in Acts 8, verse 7 and verse 13, where it says that many signs and wonders and healings and miracles and deliverances from demons happened by his ministry. So some of us will go, well, he's an evangelist. Then there's the mention of Stephen, a deacon, where it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and there were many notable miracles by his ministry. That he was filled with the power of the Spirit. And then some of you will say, well, he was, he was a deacon. Your argument's about to evaporate. Are you ready? Because in Acts chapter 9, 
verse 18, Scripture talks about how this guy is praying. He's just a, he's just a saint in a church just like you. And he's praying one day, and God shows up and says, Hey, this dude named Saul, who's been persecuting the church, he's over there, and he's blind. And I want you to preach to him the gospel, and I want you to lay hands on him and heal him of his blindness. And he says, he gives God, you know, what we all would give God, which is a good fight. (laughs) Lord, you know he's killing people and sending them to jail. And God says, go preach. And so this little no-name guy, Ananias, who we never hear from again in Scripture, ever. Not one word is ever spoken about him again. Goes and speaks to Saul of Tarsus and lays his hands on him after he repented of his sins. And it says that scales, something like scales, fell from Paul's eyes and he saw again. These signs are to follow those that believe. I don't care who you are. Pastor Glenn has a great history of, of, of miracles through God using him to see miracles and through his hands. That's awesome. That should be all of our testimonies. Because these signs shall follow them that believe. If you're a believer, this is your heritage. This is your inheritance. This is what God wants to do through you. You guys know me. I'm not on TV. Nobody's coming up and asking for my autograph. I don't need bodyguards. Just in the last couple of years, we've seen great miracles here. We've seen several cases of cancer healed. We've, I, I, three years ago, Gabrielle was there. Mariah was there too. Saw a woman who had a boot on. Her ankle was seized. Her ankle was seized up. All of her ligaments and tendons were torn. Her ankle was completely immovable. And so we prayed for her. The Holy Ghost just hit her. She's crying, bawling. I said, take off your boot. Let's see what God did. She took off her boot. I said, I said what could you what would be the absolute proof that God healed you? She said, if I could stand up on my toes, because all of my ligaments and tendons are torn, I can't stand on my toes. Do you remember this, Gabby? I said, well, why don't you try standing on your toes? And she was like, and she started, she started smiling. I said, I said, why don't you start walking? And she started walking. And then after a little bit, she started jogging. And then she started running back and forth across the front of the church. Because God, God, God showed up. And the kingdom came. You guys know me. I'm just like you. I'm just an ordinary guy that God got a hold of one day who radically transformed my life when I said, yes, be my Lord. And then he wrecked my life even more when I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was transformed and changed. And God came and started moving and bringing his kingdom through me, not because of anything more than I'm his son, I'm a believer, and he wants to show up through his church. That's just one miracle. There's so many miracles I've seen in my ministry, I can't remember them all. I've forgotten most of them. And that is what God wants to do with you. Because it's the church empowered, is the kingdom manifest. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Folks, it is time for the church to come back to an Acts model. This is why... This is why, and I want you to understand how I say this. This is why I'm not focused so much on growing. Are we growing? Yes. But we're growing because God's transforming lives. I'm not interested in attendance for attendance sake. Because we are not about growing a big church. We are about kingdom manifesting.
God has other churches that will do all kinds of different things. What I know about you and why God sent me here is because this place is to be a place where kingdom manifests. The book of Acts is then the, the model that God intended the church to follow throughout the church age. Gifts and miracles largely ended in the 4th century when the Roman Catholic Church became an institution rather than a faith. It became a religion rather than a relationship. The greatest lie that some of us have been taught, and I was taught it, and if the band wants to come, you can. The greatest lie that has been taught to the church is that this dimension of God isn't available to you anymore. I remember being told, I, I remember finding out that there were these per- crazy people across town who spoke in tongues. And I was like, I asked my uncle. I had an uncle who was a Baptist pastor, and I said, what about, what about that? And they go, well, and he had had that experience, so he couldn't totally knock it because it transformed his life. He went from a heroin addict to being completely free in a Pentecostal altar and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. But then he came to, he came to a, a wife who was Baptist, and she convinced him that that wasn't really biblical. Very sad. And he told me, well, you know, at best, it's just, it's just your human, human spirit. You're, you're just being human. At worst, it's demonic. He was a cessationist. He, he walked away from it completely. And I believed that lie for a little bit. But then one day... God showed up and filled me. And what I was told wouldn't be available to me, I got. And my life has never been the same. What I want you to know, folks, is this. The devil has tried to steal this empowerment of the church because he is scared to death of what an empowered church will do because he saw for about 200 years, what an empowered church would do, and it revolutionized the world. He does not want you empowered. God wants you empowered. Can I give you some good news? You throw the deciding vote. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want, to, do you want to take your Holy Ghost car out for a spin? Because God wants to empower you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you guys. And there is no pressure in this. and You're free to do whatever you feel. But if anybody here has never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with tongues. Because that's, that's just your body's response. That's your spirit's response to God when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You speak in a language that you didn't learn in home or school. It won't be, for me, it's not going to be Spanish or English. It's going to be something else. But if you didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit like that, I want to invite you to ask God for it today. So, this is how we're going to do this. Um, we're going to use a formula that I've used all around the world, literally. Um, and we're just going to allow God. If you, want, if you want this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And uh, just follow me, and I'll lead you to it. First thing we're going to do is we're going to repent. We're going to ask God to forgive us of any sins that are in our lives. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior... Um, ask him to forgive you of your sins right now. And, and he will. And ask him into your life to be your savior. And he'll come. So let's pray and repent first. And, and let's just, just follow me. Follow my lead. But pray the prayer yourself. So Lord Jesus, right now, we repent of our sins. 
of everything we've ever done wrong, every evil we've ever done, whether, Lord God, to ourselves, to someone else, or to you. Lord, we ask you to forgive us right now in Jesus' name. We, we come to you by the cross of Jesus Christ, and we ask you to forgive us. Pardon our sins by the blood that was shed on Calvary. We put our faith in you, Lord Jesus, trusting you to forgive us. Thank you for being our Savior. I receive you into my life right now. And I receive the forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's the first step. Next thing I want you to do is I want you to simply do this. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you want to be re-empowered, if, you're, if, you're, if your flame is growing dim, for those of you who've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, say, Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and pray that if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be refilled, ask the Lord to refill you right now. Holy Spirit, just refill me. Refill me to overflowing in you. In Jesus' name. So now in a moment, in a moment I'm going to invite you to come up here. I'm going to invite you to come up come across the front. And when you come up, I just want you to come up and I want you just to stand and I want you to keep your head up. So many people, when we pray, we put our heads down. We put our heads down. The, the heads down thing is largely, usually, because of our shame. You, if you ask God to forgive you, you're a child of the king. You never had to hang your head in his presence again. So when you come up here, pick your head up, look up, and lift your hands. And we'll have some people come in front of you, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I say, and this is for all of you who are going to come up too, when I say, not before, you are going to lay your hand on the forehead of the person that's going to receive the Holy Spirit. Folks, you're going to get your, their hands are going to be laid on you like this, and I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to loose the Holy Spirit into this room. And your job is to worship Jesus. You can say hallelujah. You can say I love you, Jesus. You can say you're a great God. You can say whatever, but say something. And what will happen is all of a sudden your lips and tongue will get hard to control. And the language that starts coming out of you will not be English anymore. The key is this. Let me tell you this. If you want to pull it back, you always can. God is never going to, like, slap you and knock you out and make you speak in tongues. You just have to give him permission. And to the point that you let him, he'll speak. And for those of us who are really strong-willed, you might keep on speaking English. Because God is going to ask you to give him your tongue. And the language that will come will be something maybe you've never heard of before. Maybe someone else will understand it. But the point is this. This is available to every believer. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he said this. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he said, in the last days, and he talks about all the people who'd received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it was across the whole spectrum of humanity. And he said, this promise is unto you and unto your children and unto every generation, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So as many generations as will be, that's how many people can get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is for everybody. It didn't end 2,000 years ago. That's the lie the devil sold you to keep you out of power. So, who wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Anyone who would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
Come on up, line up around, along the front here. Don't all move at once. Obviously, I need the, the uh, ushers for crowd control. This is what the Lord told me. There are 53 people in this room right now who need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's about one in three. So, thank you, Susan, for coming. You ready to get empowered? All right. Anybody else? It's up to you. You know, if you want to take your tricycle out for a spin, you just feel free. I'm interested in the Mustang. Thank you. Anybody else? Gavi, I want you to come up. Gavi already has the Holy Spirit. She's going to pray for somebody. Anybody else? We're going to go on ahead if, you, if nobody else wants to come. What I count right now is we have 50 people out there that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So this is what we're going to do. stand, please stand, actually. Chris and the band's going to sing. Y'all can pray and hang out and worship and sing. Um, chances are good we're going to get going up here. And uh, so just consider yourself dismissed whenever you want to go. There's no quota of time you got to be here. Dr. John, why don't you come up and get ready to pray for somebody? Tim Kennedy, come on With up here. a melody You surround me with a song I'll Tell you what, hang on one second Okay, Dr. John, you're going to be with right here You're going to be with Susan, Gabrielle Come over to this young lady What I want you guys to do her is seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit I want you just to lift your hands. You don't have to lift them high. You can just lift them. And I want you to close your eyes and lift your head. And I want you to worship God. I want you to worship God with your mouth. And when I give the word, Tim, you're going to stand in front here. When I give the word, what you guys are going to do is you're going to lay your hands on their foreheads. And I'm going to loose the baptism of the Holy Spirit into this room. And then you are going to feel God touch you like you never have had him touch you before. And your lips and tongue are going to get hard to control and just let whatever comes out of your mouth come out. God's going to speak out of you in a language that's not English, it's not Spanish, it's not German, it's not any other language you might know. He's going to speak in you, through you in tongues. Okay? So just begin to... Just lift your hands. Ask him one time, Lord Jesus. Go ahead, Susan, ask him, Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Right now, just begin to worship him. Right now, by the power of the name of Jesus and by the authority of the word of God, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.
God is showing up in power here. He's touching these folks. It's incredible to see. Susan is speaking in tongues. Amazing. Praise God. God is touching these other two as well. This is the thing, folks. God wants you empowered. I want you to hear me very clearly. When God came in Jesus Christ to save us, and then he left this world empowering his disciples, he was saying one thing. You are my answer. I want you to hear me today. You are God's answer. It's time for the church to rise up and to be empowered. I pray you come tonight, 6 o'clock, for prayer school. Betty's going to help us become more empowered through prayer. If you want to stay in worship, you're welcome too. But you are dismissed. Love y'all. You are the church. You are saints of the Most High. You are empowered to be His body in this world. In Jesus' name, God bless you.